1: And this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast, because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So our first guest we got with us today, DC. What up, doe? And also back with us today, we got Bugs. You already know what's up. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. As always. Usually I start. I give you guys all the third degree about what you're drinking first. Today I think I'm gonna go first. Last time DC was on, I made mm-hmm. a commitment that I'm not gonna drink these dark beers. You know <laughs> that I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up and start drinking some different beers. Yes. And I didn't go back to the dark beers, mm-hmm. but I basically drank two hearted one day and then just have abandoned beers entirely. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, I so I don't even have a beer today. But I did take an idea from you, because one mm-hmm. time, your uh, your drink concoction, your triple stout. Yes. You know, your coffee. Yes, coffee. Yeah, I know what you... Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, I know you know, yeah. but, you know, the listeners. So, yes. it was what? For the people uh, at home. So, it was what? Coffee? And vodka. Like a cold brew coffee or something yeah, like cold that? cold
2: brew coffee and vodka.
1: I decided I was going to go with something like that today. Now, I worked in the coffee business for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And one time, I was trying to sell some coffee to this office, mm-hmm. and they told me, that they were, they were coffee snobs, so they only drank Starbucks and Tim Hortons? Yes. Well, that's like saying I'm an Italian food snob. I only eat of Olive Garden.
2: Yes, especially when you throw Tim Hortons in. Um, You didn't hear this from me, but they may have the nastiest coffee I've ever tasted in my life. And I love coffee.
1: I'm not a huge fan of Tim Hortons coffee. I can't
2: drink it. I think it's because kind of their thing that they do is they do a lot of flavors. Mm -hmm. So if you're into all the flavors, it'll be good to you. But I drink all of my coffee black where you can really taste the coffee. Me too. And if you do that, their coffee is horrendous.
1: So I got uh, Bucerres Brothers Coffee. Okay. It's locally roasted. It's in Mm -hmm. Highland Park. Mm -hmm. It's fourth generation. So that is real coffee. So if you're a coffee snob and you're drinking Starbucks... Go get some Boucherra's Brothers coffee. Get your you, shit together.
2: Come on. You, you know what I want to try? I want to try the X fighter guys. What do they have? Caveman coffee? I oh, think Caveman coffee. That's um, uh, Keith Jardine, Jardine and, and um, Tate Fletcher. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I want to try theirs, but I haven't tried it yet.
1: We always do the craft beers. We can start mixing mm-hmm. some coffees, too. I like it. Yeah, so I got this uh, Boucherra's Brothers Royal York coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't like vodka. Mm -hmm. I can't do vodka. So I got Traverse City Whiskey Company. They got American Cherry Whiskey. So I mixed that in with it.
2: it I haven't had it with whiskey, but I have had it with bourbon. And it's still just as delicious. Well, no, you know bourbon and whiskey are kind of... I thought they were... Now, see, I'm not a connoisseur in that area, but I thought they were different. It was one of those things like cognac and Brandy, where even though technically they're the same process, you couldn't call one... The other, if it wasn't from that region, I thought that's how kind of bourbon and whiskey was. I could be wrong. Once again, I'm not a connoisseur in that area.
1: No, you're, you're very right. It's one of these things. It's like jacuzzi and hot tub.
2: Every bourbon's
1: a whiskey, but not every whiskey's a bourbon.
2: Ah, okay. Gotcha. So now you so have to whiskey. tell us how you like it.
1: It's good. It's good.
2: Nice. So I stole,
1: I stole the triple stout idea and mixed it <laughs> with some different shit.
2: This is the thing. It kind of gives you that stout kind of flavor, but it's lighter than a stout.
1: And I think that uh, that whiskey hits a little different <laughs> than a craft beer.
2: Yes. What'd you bring to drink today? So today, we're doing the podcast a little bit earlier than what I'm used to, so I figured I'd start off slow. I have an Arnold Palmer, so start off slow, a little fruity, I don't feel as bad, and then...
3: The Arnold Palmer spiked. It spiked. Yes,
2: it is. Yes, yep. I, I, I should have said that. You're right. <laughs> I assumed that, yes, I'm drinking alcohol, but you're right because technically it doesn't have alcohol in it, the original. But yes, yeah, this technically, one is spiked. Technically, yes. Arnold Palmer is just lemonade and uh, iced and tea, iced tea, right. But yes, this one is spiked. But I figure first session, I'll drink this and depending on how I feel and if I'm not tired for second session, I do have a little beer in the
1: back. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, Bugs...
3: Is
2: back in training. Taking this Sunday light.
3: I don't got nothing alcoholic. I'm drinking organic strawberry Gatorade. <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah. I did not know they made it organic.
1: It's actually, it's not bad. It's different, mm-hmm. but I like it. So he's not drinking, but it's okay because he, he huffs some nail polish upstairs. Down <laughs> <real> quick, so
2: <laughs> whatever you got to do.
1: Now, before we get started, we got to make sure we always got to cover six Swain on for letting us use his intro music. So go to his YouTube, subscribe, go to our Instagram, Bad Guy Podcast on Instagram, and then on. On Instagram, go to show contributor cancer. He's got his graphic arts page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. He's really talented. He does art, photography, graphic arts. So go check that shit out. And we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Yves Trudeau.
0: This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene. Fucking bazooka's under each arm. Say hello to my little friend.
2: Okay. Yves Trudeau. That so- sounds familiar. That name, there's two people I know of that name. One was a guy that did a bunch of infomercials in the 90s and early 2000s, got a lot of books and infomercials. And the second one is, if I'm not mistaken, the Prime Minister or something like that of Canada. His it, name is Trudeau. I think that's Justin Trudeau? Yeah, I believe it is. Yes. yes.
1: There's a fighter yes. Trudeau, right? No, there's a
2: fighter Eve Edwards. Yes.
1: I mean, there could be a fighter Trudeau. I don't maybe. know. Is it- the name itself
3: sounds familiar, but maybe we're getting into like a infomer- crooked infomercial person <laughs> or something. Well,
1: I, I think it's a shame that we do. We have all these guys and I have all this research lined up and then it comes to the prime minister of Canada. Yes. Like, oh, I don't know.
2: Well, you mentioned <laughs> Eve Edwards. If I'm not mistaken for MMA, he's the original cowboy. If you remember, he used to have the cowboy hat. Oh, did he? Yeah. and Because he was from Texas. Okay. And so he would have the cowboy hat and every now and then he would come in with the big buckle and stuff like that. And his his other nickname was what is Thug Jitsu or something. But yeah, that Thug came Jitsu. along later. Okay. That wasn't his like his original nickname. I used
1: to like that that they used to have that as a style. It was like yeah. That yeah, yeah, style style was Thug, Thug Jitsu. Jitsu. <laughs> so we got East Trudeau, AKA Apache, A.K.A. the Mad Bumper.
2: The Mad Bumper. So, something within that, he was stealing cars or running booze or something. That's, right. that's going to be my guess.
3: I'm taking the hint of what his coffee might be mm. running
1: bourbon.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Yves Trudeau was born February 4th, 1946 in Quebec, Canada. Now, his dad was a real strict hard-ass, and it kind of always gave him this military mindset. So, from a young age, he had a fascination with all things military, uh, primarily firearms and explosives. Nice. He was so into explosives. As a teenager, as soon as he graduated, he got a job at a place called Canadian Industries Limited, which was one of these huge conglomerates that does a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. But one of the things they specialized in was chemicals and explosives. So from there, he got like the highest end corporate training on explosives. Sounds like a perfect setup for a future bad guy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Plus, you got to think, in Quebec in the 40s. Now, of course, this was later on, but... 50s whatever quebec in the 50s it was probably nothing out there so just imagine you could just go out in the woods and test stuff and blow stuff up yeah. and oh, it'll be okay just doing a little testing
1: because you mentioned the, the area kind of set the scene for us uh, 1960s quebec at the time they went through these sweeping societal changes that are known as the quiet revolution prior to that quebec was some of the strictest most conservative catholic areas in all of north america so this quiet revolution hits. It does like a huge pendulum swing in the opposite direction, and it becomes known for the liberal hedonism. Wow. Similar to America at that time, the 1960s. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like the flower power and sex, right. drugs, and rock and roll and shit like that. All the good stuff.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the difficult things whenever you have a regime that's too far left or right or whatever else People fight so hard to go in the opposite direction just because they don't want to be restricted that they go so far the other way. And then after time, it slowly evens out some.
1: Well, it's like physics, right? That's why a pendulum works. It's not going to yeah. fall to the mo It's going to swing all the way back True. over to the other side. In Quebec, it starts off real flower power. But then there's all these dudes. They switch their form of rebellious expression into bike clubs. By 1968, Quebec had 350 outlaw biker clubs. It led to a level of violence unparalleled in Canada.
2: Since it's Quebec, you know, we're here in Michigan, where it gets really cold and we get a lot of snow. You know, one of the coldest places in the the U.S. consistently. And Quebec gets a lot colder than us and a lot more snow. So do they become (laughs) four-wheeler gangs in the the wintertime? (laughs) What happens? They, like, chain their tires
1: or something? (laughs) (laughs) It kind of makes sense as the story goes on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cars involved, which first time through, as mm-hmm. we're reading about biker games, I'm like, why is there so much car play? But then I did realize, well, this is Quebec, so... Got it. In Quebec, like, if... <laughs> Their biking season's limited to, like, two months. Like, <laughs> July and August. <laughs> Quick, let's go get our biker that's on. That's it. I think it would be more gangster if they went, like, like uh, snowmobiles yeah. or four-wheelers yeah, shit up. in the winter. Like... <laughs> That like, you gotta hilarious. go Mad Max style.
2: <laughs> that would be hilarious.
1: So, there was so much warring between biker gangs in Quebec that the area became known as, and still is to this day, by outlaw bikers as the Red Zone. Oh, wow. I
2: would have never guessed it. Yeah? Because okay. there's
1: 300 gangs.
3: Like, you never know who you're going to run into. It has to be True. terrifying. You
2: well, just always kind of think, though, of Canada being so much more tamed and regulated and nice compared to the u.s to hear something like that you know i like it i like to hear that everybody else is crazy also not just us <laughs> there's
1: a little dark side in canada
2: <laughs> any place
1: you go they develop a hood they develop a gang they True. Develop...
2: well and it's a vacuum
1: you know you can pull mm-hmm. one out crime doesn't go away when right. you take criminals like it's a vacuum new people just fill in in 1968 eves trudeau joined a gang called the popeyes which was the most violent club in the area i like it
2: that sounds yeah. like when i was a kid a gang that i would name my gang Where's popeyes We <laughs> <meets> eat spinach
1: <laughs> that's funny because i should go to spinach first but i've recently i've been in love with that chicken sandwich <laughs> so the first day, like, oh man they really like that louisiana <laughs> but no they actually probably were more a fan of Bluto, oh, Bluto yes. and popeye duking it mm-hmm. out They were known for the gratuitous and sadistic violence, and they were employed by the Montreal Mafia to kind of handle a lot of their hits, Mm -hmm. and they started working for a group called the Dubois Brothers, which was a big drug dealing organization. Mm -hmm. So, the Dubois Brothers would do the, they were selling the drugs, and the Popeyes would operate as their enforcers, their muscle.
2: You know, it's, it's hard. I'm pretty sure these guys were really dangerous. But name is mean something, you know, it's a little, nah, that's it's, what I was thinking. it's hard to be scared of the Dubois brothers, <laughs> you know, but it's okay though, because like the
3: Dubois brothers, they got this vicious gang protecting them, the Popeyes, no, it, like,
1: geez, well, I got, I got bad news for you because we're in Quebec, so <laughs> it's only going to get nicer. Yeah, that's. Not going to get more gangster than the Dubois brothers. Actually, the Dubois brothers, is that at least st- still sounds like a real gang. You'll see. Man's giving the other man a hug on his back. <laughs> yeah, we the picture we got up is a picture of the Popeyes, and one of them has two guys on the one bike, and I believe in the biker world that's called riding bitch. That's what I was thinking. I'm like...
2: <laughs> They're both smiling for that picture, yeah. though. Yeah. No, give me the old school. You know, I don't oh know if the yeah. Give me the old school <laughs> sidecar. I, I don't want to ride on the back. Of
1: the that'd, motorcycle. That'd be intimidating to <laughs> get pulled up on a sidecar drive by. <laughs> yeah. the, I feel like the only way you should be on the back mm-hmm. is if you're sitting backwards with like a
2: Uzi, uh, something like cool, like you know? uh, New Jack City. Yes. Uh, that's what uh, Nino did. Matter of fact, was it when he was beefing with the Italians?
1: The biker gang that was trying to compete for the drug trade was called the Devil's Disciples. They're con- trying to control the drug trade as the bikers. The Popeyes aren't in the drugs, but they mm-hmm. rep a group that mm-hmm. does not so that led to like a, a beef between the two of them and they kind of duked it out over the next couple of years and it was this thing where it graduated from fights in the streets with like chains and stabbings to you know eventually just big riots where people were getting beat to death
2: now see it's, it shouldn't be this way but once again if i was coming up in those times in quebec canada and i wanted to be a biker and i had a choice you know now if i was really young i probably would choose the popeyes but as i got older wouldn't you want to be a part of the devil disciples like yeah so you don't choose based on what's going on. you got to look at the name yeah. and the logo. It's like, no, that one's cool. I want to be a part of that one.
1: <laughs> that looks like a biker bag I can get on board with. Well, right, because this isn't a secret society. We're going to slap this on our back exactly. and go to war. Like, let's go, Devil's Disciples. Exactly. That's a that's some biker shit. Yves Trudeau puts up his first body in 1970 when a Devil's Disciple stole one of the Popeye's bikes, Ooh. a guy named John marie Viel. Eves Trudeau found him and shot him to death. You had a reaction right off the bat. I had to do some research on it, but that's a real big thing in this biker world,
2: is stealing each other's bikes. Touching a bike, knocking a bike over. That's what... The bike was a serious thing, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's how, like, I noticed if you were to mess with somebody's bike, it's a big thing. The fact you took one, that's their whole gang. That's why they're in this, is to be a biker
1: gang member but
2: it's like stealing my horse in the wild wild west how it, dare you exactly you can't just go grab a new horse that's your horse yeah. you
1: somebody stole it right. you're
2: in this biker gang
1: they take your bike now you're riding bitch on the back of your <laughs> homie's bike to try and go find your shit because fucking Jean marie vial stole your shit man yeah
2: so you gotta call East trudeau hold okay? on tight he went that way
3: but i think it's interesting you said he
1: shot him to death so it's not like you just shot him and drove off Well, and moving forward, that'll be his style. I know a lot of people wound people. Mm -hmm. He's not much of a wounder.
2: I mean, hey, if you're going to be a part of that life, why leave behind, you know, witnesses and people to come back? (laughs) Just, you know, hey, got to do what you got to do. In the course of this war, eventually the Popeyes
1: end up basically crushing the devil's disciple to the point where they have to fold the organization. This whole time, the rest of the outside biker world had been kind of keeping an eye on this Quebec situation to kind mm-hmm. of see what was going on there. And the Hells Angels were the biggest gang. Well, they had been planning to patch over the Devil's Disciples. Ah. A patch over means, it's, I guess it's just what it sounds like, mm-hmm. but they have what's called a patch over party nowadays a lot of people's colors are so specific that you actually have to go get just a whole different vest mm-hmm. but at the time it's just whatever you wore they mm-hmm. would literally cut off the old patch and you mm-hmm. put your new patch on and that's why it's called a patch mm-hmm. over party and these bigger gangs would kind of bring in whole other clubs mm-hmm. i shouldn't say, you're not allowed to say gangs. these other mother motorcycle <laughs> clubs would just engulf these other gang mm-hmm. and a lot of times what else are you going to do? You're going to say, no, a lot of them just want to anyways, because right. they'd rather be part of this bigger organization. But even if you didn't want to, it's not your call. You, you have no choice. Yeah. So they were planning over to patch over the Devil's Disciples because they liked their drug tape. Mm-hmm. But seeing how vicious the Popeyes were and that they eliminated them, they decided
2: that they were going to go with the Popeyes.
1: Hell's Angels, are, they're the most infamous of the 1%er
2: clubs. Now, I've heard that name before. What is a one-percenter club?
1: Yeah, I was thinking that, too. There was an article in the American Motorcycles Association. At this time, anybody that rode motorcycles was getting a lot of negative press. Mm-hmm. So they did an article that said that 99% of motorcyclists were law-abiding citizens. Ah,
2: and then you have the 1%.
1: <laughs> right. So <laughs> these it. outlaw biker clubs... They didn't see that as an insult, they mm-hmm. actually took that as a badge mm-hmm. and they decided, yes, ninety-nine percent are law abiding citizens. Mm-hmm. We are the one percent. So when you see bikers, when you see that one percent or patch, mm-hmm. that that's pretty blatantly just saying, like, no, I'm not a nice
2: biker. <laughs> or what we call today, I'm with the shits. <laughs> <laughs> they bowed it. On December fifth,
1: nineteen seventy seven Thirty-five Popeyes were patched over to the Hells Angels, becoming Canada's first Hells Angel motorcycle chapter. Yves Trudeau becoming a founding member. Now he was said to be very different than most other bikers. He was clean shaven. He had short, well kept hair, and he was five foot six, hundred and thirty five pounds. Wow. It's not your average biker. You think of like some big fat
2: dude with yeah. a beard. It makes sense too though of his temperament. A lot of your smaller guys are the most vicious, you know. It's like
3: yeah, they just
2: yeah. wanna listen. I'm not the biggest guy. I'm going to eliminate you and, and prove my manhood, so to speak. A lot of small guys don't play around.
1: I feel like that's a, a trope that we see on the show quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is you get a handful of your guys that are your natural, tried and true, old school, big guy, mm-hmm. and you know, they're just good at handing out ass whoopings. But there's a whole huge percentage that are these smaller guys, small, scrappy guys, mm-hmm. That are just willing to push it to let you know that, yeah, Yeah. I might be small, but... I'm
3: in the baddest biker gang,
1: I work with bombs, and I will put caps into you. (laughs) Steal a bike and see what happens. Not long after the Outlaws, who were kind of like the Hells Angels, one of their biggest traditional rivals, the second Hells Angels patched over a club. The Outlaws had to patch over a club too so that they could have a presence in the Quebec area. Right. February 17th, 1978, there's a popular Hells Angels bar called the Brassier Joey. The <laughs>
2: Brassier Joey. Okay. Yes. (laughs) So I I told you these gangster names is Hell's Angels
1: Bar, the grassier Joey, the brassier Joey. I guess brassier is like a French root for brewery. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it kind of means Joe's Bar. (laughs) <laughs> but in in french it comes out as the brassier joey two outlaws went in there starting trouble and got thrown out by the hell's angels and they made a decision that instead of just leaving that they were going to stay in the parking lot yell obscenities and start trashing their bikes
2: ah, back to the bikes again this mm-hmm. won't turn out well
1: <laughs> as we've established yes. they don't like when they touch their bikes A car pulled up with the driver that got out, opened fire on both the outlaws, killing Robert Cote and wounding the other. Get back in the car and drive it off. That was Yves Trudeau. That kicked off a Hells Angels outlaw war that would last the next five years. With that killing, Yves Trudeau earned what the Hells Angels call the Filthy Few Patch. It seems like the Filthy Few patch. It could either be specifically for someone that's killed for the club, mm-hmm. or it can mean club enforcer. But most people say, in order to be an enforcer in a club, that is basically we're all enforcers. Full of, yeah, we're, full of them. We're we're all Hell's Angels. It's like in the military, everyone's a soldier first right. before your job. So he was the first Canadian to earn the Filthy Few patch.
2: Yeah, you got to figure something like that, as you said. Whatever it is, when you have a group of people that are already badass and somebody stands above the pack, you have to realize they did something very crazy or they have a certain skill level that's just above everybody else. Like you said, whether it's military. Listen, if you're a military person, you're badass. If you're a Marine, if you're a Green Beret, if you're these other things, that's like a different level of badassness. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's what this Filthy Few patch puts on. The military comparison... Biker gangs are big on their patches, mm-hmm. right? Most biker gangs were originally started by veterans that came back from world war two yep. and they were living this wild lifestyle. Some of them have PSD mm-hmm. and then they just come home and their people are dropping off. Like, all right, we'll get back to work. Right. You know? And they kind of had this rebellious streak and they just started mm-hmm. these biker gangs. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of it came from. Mm-hmm. Well, what's big in the military is your, mm-hmm. your, your badges ranks, and your, you know, and your stuff. patches yeah. and your ranks. So it makes a lot of sense. Now, we have the picture of this Filthy Few patch here. We're doing the research, and I wish I'd have wrote the name of the patch, but i seen a guy, a Hells Angels, that had the Filthy Few patch, and then he mm-hmm. had another patch that was given for violence against police. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like you said, like so now you're looking mm-hmm. at it. this Navy SEAL yeah. that has a Filthy Few yeah. patch, a violence against police patch, one 1%er yeah. patch.
2: So that's the guy that was in the military, then became a Navy SEAL, and then became a mercenary for hire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go in anywhere and take them out. It doesn't matter. Military, police, I'll take them out.
1: I believe mercenaries, that's not a politically correct term. I believe we call them <laughs> defense department contractors.
2: Yes. <laughs> that's a... Like uh, the most infamous one that I don't think they're around anymore, Blackwater.
1: Exactly like Blackwater. So this war between the Hells Angels and the Outlaws, it spans for the next five years with each Trudeau operating as the primary enforcer. Now, we'd be here all day if I was just going to list off all of this. What I'm going to have to do is I'm going to kind of break down the highlights of this war with the outlaws mm-hmm. okay. as a separate thing, and then we'll jump back into the timeline and go back from there. But just some of the highlights. March 21st, 1978, the outlaws Montreal chapter president, Gilles Cordeaux, was killed when he was out riding with his vice president in his Corvette. So like I said, <laughs> there's a lot of driving around in not your motorcycle. Yeah.
2: That's still crazy, though, a Corvette in March. I'm pretty sure, once again, Michigan, a lot of times, we're still getting snow in March a lot of times. Yeah. You're in a Corvette. In, well, Montreal, it's still probably pretty cold if not snowing. You have a Corvette. You just said <laughs> snow in March. We got snow in May. Yeah, that's true. We do sometimes.
1: So So he blows them up in the Corvette with a, um, with a car bomb. <laughs> So, Gillis Cordeau died. The other guy lived. November 10th, 1978, they appointed a new leader to the outlaws, a guy named Brian Powers. Eves Trudeau knocked on his door. The guy answered the door and he shot him in the head nine times.
2: You know, I think this uh, Trudeau guy was probably watching mobster movies. This sounds really Italian-esque. Yeah. Like Car made... bombs, knock no. on the door with some flowers. Yes, I added the flowers. Don't worry about it. That. Knock on the door with that. some flowers. He opens, blow his head off. Yeah, Sounds real uh,
3: Italian-esque. Everything kind of seemed like, personal. You knocked on his door, and with the flowers,
1: I hope it was roses. Cause that's... <laughs> Jeez. Well, he did originally, they were working for the uh, Montreal Mafia. And well, it turns out uh, the Montreal Mafia is sometimes referred to as the Sixth Family.
2: But okay. like okay. they're
1: legit i'm learning this as we go too. Yeah. montreal is bikered up bobbed up I but so knew. the montreal mafia is known as the sixth mm-hmm. family so it's okay. a big thing okay. and that's who they started off muscling for so maybe that's where he got mm-hmm. his mentoring that's probably a good Makes call
2: sense yeah good training i mean this guy has had some impeccable training I starting off with the explosives then the dubois <laughs> the yeah. and mob hey
3: when well, when he's a kid he he like had an interest in it like he wanted to do this so it's something he's driven
2: to right he cried because he got his first nine millimeter at six for his <laughs> birthday <laughs> he wanted a 40
1: <laughs> on december 8th 1978 there's a guy named william weichhold now he's walking down the street and he resembled a guy named roland roxy du temple du temple was uh, a leader in the outlaws Yves Trudeau walked up to him in French. He asked him, are you Roxy? And the guy didn't reply. So he shot him in the head. Yves Trudeau found out later when he was watching the news that it wasn't Roxy Du Temple. It was William Whitehold. And he was a tourist that didn't speak French.
2: Now, see, that <laughs> one is sad. You know, when, when I hear groups of bad guys fighting each other, hey, this, this is the life you chose, you know. But now, whenever it's a situation, of innocent bystander, especially a tourist that didn't speak French, you know, that makes me a little sad. But at least, you know, Trudeau is staying true to who he is. He did at least try and ask him.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you always hear, like, a couple guys we covered like, there's incidents mm-hmm. where civilians get hurt. Like,
1: no, this wasn't an incident. Like, no, he shot him. He <laughs> shoot him in the head. <laughs> I get it that it is kind of tough because that's a non-combatant. Mm-hmm. But Yves Trudeau, when he found out the guy didn't speak French, he thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I don't think that situation's
3: hilarious. I think it's funny that he thought it was funny. Like, oh, si- silly me, silly me, my bad. I agree
2: with Buzz. That's what makes it funny. It's like he's like, oh, he didn't speak French. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha.
3: <laughs> Poor William. Imagine being a tourist in Montreal. Like, ah, so nice. I love it.
1: Hey, dude, I don't know what this guy's saying. Do you know? (laughs) Bah! He thought it was hilarious until he found out that the Hells Angels wouldn't pay him for the hit. Because they were Uh, like... That's the wrong dude. So he tried to argue that they should still kill everybody that looked like Du Temple until they found him just to make sure they got him. Hells Angels disagreed and didn't pay him. So he gets pissed. And then uh, March 29th, 1979, the real Du Temple was killed with a car bomb.
2: Was that his doing? It sounds like his M.O. Oh,
1: yeah. So we're going through.
2: We're just hitting the... uh, only his the Yves kids. Trudeau highlights Got of it. the war. Okay. April
1: 3rd, 1979, a guy named Robert LaBelle, he was the leader of a gang called the Huns, and there was a rumor they were going to get patched over to the Outlaws. Yves Trudeau went back to a classic favorite and knocked on the door and shot <laughs> him in the head when he answered. They need, like, peoples or something. Like,
2: <laughs> I mean, you think about it, that's very unassuming. There are certain things if you were that type of person. Yeah that you can do even still today because nobody still doesn't expect it. It's not that it never happens. Like, you would never expect that somebody knocks on your door, even if you don't know who it is and you open to say who is it or whatever, you're never going to expect that somebody just, as soon as you open the door, they just blow you away and walk away. Well, you
3: know. Nowadays, if anybody knocks on the door, we got phones if you like if you're coming over i know you're coming over so if you knock on my door and i don't like i'm army crawling to the window peeking through the blinds like
2: you gotta figure back then i don't even think this was 79 right uh yeah i don't think they had even answering machines back then no no you know so you gotta think it was like i mean that's what people did they just dropped by
1: most direct way, show up. Honestly, if you were a classic gangster at that time, you were trying to not talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. So people mm-hmm. in and out and back and forth was kind of your style. Mm-hmm. Right. True. So now the outlaws smarten up and they're like, okay, they keep blowing up our cars. <laughs> <laughs> so on March 9th, 1979, there's a guy named Donald McClain. And he was the guy that was the other guy in the Corvette. Ah, that lived oh, in the first car uh-huh. bomb. So now since they just keep going through... Guys, quick. He's now kind of extended to a leadership role. And he was the one that's kind of like, look, we got to stay out of cars, we got to stay on our bikes. So, March 9, 1979, him and his girlfriend, Cameron Pichet, were both killed when Yves Trudeau, he was good enough that he was able to make a bomb powerful enough, but still small enough that he could hide it on a bike. And he blew him up with a bomb that he put on his Harley Davidson, him and his mm-hmm. girlfriend, which at that time was fairly unheard of. like Because yeah. you needed like a car. Where you could hide it underneath for this big explosive Yeah, thing. I think
2: back in those days, and by no means am I a bomb or explosive <laughs> guy or expert. But I think back in those days, a lot of times it's because it was triggered by like an ign- ignition or something yep. like that instead of like a remote control or whatever. Right. So usually it had to be larger. So, to find something like that to fit on a motorcycle, and especially if you think about motorcycle, like uh, games, right, it's usually like a, you know, a hog or something like that where everything's exposed. It's not like a sports yeah. bike where you have the panels. Well, all the plastic go right. And... So, you figure to hide something like that and make it small enough and work. Uh, like I said, he has some good training. That's,
3: that's <laughs> some serious skills. But, like, at that point, what do you do? Like, all right. Blown up our cars,
2: our motorcycles. You and can't they, answer the door. Right. Like, the dude. He'll find you. He's gonna get you. All right, gang. This is unprecedented. We gotta go to Big Wheels. That's all <laughs> the only thing we can. Okay. We strictly skip. Okay, we
1: skipping down the street. That's the only way to go. Everybody grab your razor scooters, meet you at seven. Let's go. Over the five year turf war, twenty three outlaws were killed. Eighteen of them were killed by Eve
2: Trudeau. <laughs> You know, what just popped into my head, so I was saying to myself, and of course, on on this podcast, one of the things that you like is going for the gangsters versus the just serial killer guys. Yes. And so in my head, I was saying with all these kills, what makes this guy different than a serial killer? You know what came up in my head? Guys like this that we consider gangsters, Mm -hmm. it's because of whatever gang or whatever they're in, and they're enforcing or enforcer for that against, quote unquote, the enemy. Mm -hmm. And your serial killer is usually the person that goes out and just kills innocent people that's not a part of anything. And I never thought about that before, but literally as I'm running through my head, and I'm not saying that's the definition, but in my head, that's what makes it different because any other time a guy has 18 bodies he's a serial killer
3: right right but the fact that he's doing it for something against something makes it justifiable in his head
1: at Mm -hmm. least well i think to justify like coverage of it because i always say we don't do serial killers and moving forward i will say that eve trudeau is the closest outside of maybe tommy karate who's pretty Mm -hmm. rough too is the closest to a serial killer Mm -hmm. out of the people that we've covered and i think you're 100 percent correct he would have been a serial killer if he hadn't found this gang <laughs> this to be gang. part of yeah, that to point him in a direction. Yeah, Honestly. So, yeah, he's 100% a serial killer, yeah. but instead he fell in with his bike group so he could. And I think in coverage, so picking mm-hmm. who I'm going to cover, kind of how I decide who's mm-hmm. a serial killer from who's mm-hmm. a bad guy, mm-hmm. is when you start killing non-combatants, it mm-hmm. gets a lot grosser. Yeah. Versus, not to justify any killing, right. it's all fucked up, yeah. but it's like covering a war. Yeah. Soldiers are killing soldiers. It still sucks. Yeah. You don't want to see anybody die. but
2: I think what you said makes a good point, too, because speaking of war and military, I think you have the same thing. I think you have people that go from all sides. They go into the military because they really want to fight for their country and everything like that. But they're not just this crazy guy. But you also have psychos that are serial killers that go into the military and go into wars. And the reality is, had they not been a part of the military, they would have been a serial killer out in society because they're a whack job
1: yeah kind of like if the diaz brothers didn't have mma <laughs> right right they would
2: have been lee murray yeah, they would have been Lee murray.
1: and yeah yep. everywhere
3: <laughs> but what about poor willing man just got shot because he was foreign to his land
1: well spoiler alert i haven't spoiled it in a while he won't be the last <laughs> non combatant oh, we're gonna catch a couple now we'll jump back so that's kind of like the course of this outlaw war Time. We kind of jump back in the timeline, because why this war is happening, there's a lot of other things that happen kind of in the Mm day-to-day life. And one of them was, as the group, you know, they became Hell's Angels in 77. As they began to grow as a chapter, in September of 1979, the group that was the original Popeyes, they split from the Montreal chapter, and when started their own chapter, that it's sometime called the Lavelle chapter, Mm -hmm. it's later called the North chapter, but it's the same one. No. But it was basically all the ones that originally... All the lion violent motherfuckers mm-hmm. that started together as the Popeyes. They kind of didn't like the the structure and the organization. So mm-hmm. they opted to start their own chapter mm-hmm. over in Lavelle. Still as Hell's Angels.
3: That's something yeah, I, I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when you said that... Only 35 Popeyes joined the Hells Angels. So I was like, there's more than 35 in the Popeyes.
1: When only 35 Popeyes joined, that means the other ones either weren't up to Hells Angels standards or weren't willing to take that extra step. So they kind of took the cream of the crop. There was more than 35 Popeyes. They took like the 35 best and that's who's became that chapter. Okay. Now the North chapter was a lot more known for random violence and excessive drug abuse. Now the Montreal chapter had been guys that joined the Hell's Angels more as a organized crime syndicate, and they mm-hmm. were a little bit more
2: disciplined. Yeah. I mean, they
1: were still Hell's Angels. Yeah. The North chapter was still wanting to live like a rock star life.
2: See, I would have been a part of Montreal. Let's do some business, you know. Let's grow this thing. Let's put on a suit every now and then and get some money, and then we mm-hmm. go out and ride. Yes, it's drug money. Yes, there's some prostitution. That's not the point. We're businessmen. <laughs>
1: During this time, Yves Trudeau, as he started to kill more, he started to develop a bit more of a habit with uh, coke and drinking, which isn't much of a shocker. A lot of <laughs> right. people, people that do a lot of killing tend to usually do a lot of drinking and coke, too. He is described as a psychopathic killer and a killing machine with absolutely no conscience or respect for human life at all. Jeez. We're going to take a, a real quick smoke break. We're going to refill our drinks and we'll be back in a minute. for listening just real quick want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app go to apple itunes give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and we'll read it on the show if you have any questions comments or a guy that you would recommend we cover you can email us at say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com we also want to thank Sixfo sueno for letting us use his music in the intro you can subscribe to him on youtube and also a friend of the show cancer He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. All right, and we're back. DC, we're a little bit more into it. You fucking got loosened up.
2: Yes. So believe it or not, that spite Arnold Palmer, I guess my alcohol tolerance is, you know, nice. So it really just tastes like a regular Arnold Palmer. I didn't feel not a slight buzz. So now I finally rolled out a beer. So I went with a, a New Belgium Voodoo Ranger IPA. Nice. One of my favorite IPAs. I like it because it has like a um, has like a good fruity note in it. I think it's a really good summer beer, but I, I love this one.
1: Yeah, the Voodoo Ranger. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a big beer. Yeah. So last time I had like... This locally roasted coffee mm-hmm. and Michigan distilled whiskey. And yes. Sure. Yes. But, so I'm going to kick it up notch and I'm going to get i <laughs> I'm going to open a Bud Light. American classic. This so, is the first time this that's been on the podcast. Yup. Yeah. Wow. But, but you know, okay. So DC, we've hung yes. out like a long, long time. Yes. And I didn't even find out until recently that you were even a cra- into craft beers. Yes. Because I like craft beers. Yes. I drink a lot of beers. But usually when we hang out, it's either mm-hmm. like a, a barbecue or the yes. fights. Yes. And then in either of those situations, I'm going to drink 10 to 15 beers. Yes. Drinking socially. Social. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I can't drink Voodoo Ranger <laughs> IPAs yes. or you guys are going to have to scrape me out of my driveway. So – I drink Bud Lights in those situations. Mm -hmm. So even though, and that's why I I don't like when people get too elitist with beers, Mm -hmm. because I like good beers. I like all kinds of good drinks, but I drink plenty of Bud Light.
2: See, we were exactly the same. And when we met, if you remember, I would always bring a case of Bud Light to the functions. Yeah. For people that don't know, Locke, especially when it comes to fights, he would always have all the fights at his house. Or one of his buddies house close by. So I would always come by. And I would always bring beer. Now most of the time. 99.999% of the time. He would always have his own beer anyway. So I would just end up drinking my own little case of beer. But You're trying to so, be one of the
3: one percenters.
2: <laughs> I would always bring beer. But to your point. It was usually a butt light and everything like that. And then right around 2016. I got into craft beer. Okay. might have been 2015. I got into craft beer. But I would say maybe a year or so into it, the issue was craft beer is so rich and it's such a high alcohol content. I couldn't drink Bud Light anymore. It was like the Arnold Palmer I just had. It was like, what's the point? I might as well just drink water. Yeah. And that's where it turned for me. So, yes, I'm the snob that you don't <laughs> like. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I get it. It's both.
1: I, I drink. I prefer those beers, but it depends how many I'm going to drink. I have a high tolerance, mm-hmm. and I'm a big dude. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put them down, and honestly, some craft beers. Sometimes it's not even always about getting too wasted. Sometimes it's uh, getting full.
2: Yes, that's true.
1: You know, that's you true, could too. get full yes. off a thick craft beer. Now I can't drink no more yeah. because, yeah, I'm bloated. And the main card hasn't even started yet. Right. Now what am I supposed to do? Now I just got to pace and rock
2: yeah. back and forth. Well, see, now if I was drinking, and back then sometimes I would have some nice greenery, along with the Bud Light, that would be different. But I'm not partaking in greenery, so, you know, go to a little nice craft beer. The, the only guy I know that quits when it goes recreational. <laughs> the complete opposite of that? Oh, this thing is, is legal now? Oh, I can't do that. Fuck. I'm not following the fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we'll, we'll go ahead
1: and get back on track. So we left off. Eve Trudeau by now is... uh. A tried and true die-hard killer, and then moved over to the North Chapter so that they could get a little bit more wiggle room to do their own thing, which is basically just party, yeah. Do, and do, kill do coke and kill people. Now we had let off with a bunch of hits he did against the Outlaw Organization, mm-hmm. but with East Trudeau, you didn't have to be a rival gang member to get it. So there's a guy named Andre Desjardins who fell on the outs with the Hell's Angels. Well, he didn't bring his colors back in time. He's supposed to do something like, uh, you got to turn in your colors and Mm -hmm. remove your tattoos. Apparently they didn't think he did it in a timely manner. (laughs) So Yves Trudeau goes to visit Andre Desjardins. Mm -hmm. When he shows up at the house, his grandmother tries to stop Yves Trudeau Mm -hmm. from getting to her grandson. So Yves Trudeau beats Andre Desjardins' grandmother to death in front of him and his girlfriend. And then killed both of them. And then threw all of their bodies in the St. Lawrence River. At the time, the Hells Angels threw so many bodies in the St. Lawrence River, it became called the Hells Angels Graveyard.
2: Now, I know we're nowhere near that point, but this is definitely the worst bad guy I've been on a podcast for, like, the grandmother, though?
1: The grandmother.
2: Okay, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but he couldn't just, like, shoot her in her head and, and get it over with quick. He beat the grandmother to death going to your point of this guy likely would be a serial killer had he not yeah. been a part of this organization and
3: then
1: killed the other two That's mm-hmm. yeah, tough stark it's yeah very when they went to the north chapter they were closer to uh, the Montreal docks it was an area that was ran by a guy named Frankie dunny Ryan and he ran an Irish Canadian gang called the West End gang they were in the drug business but they weren't on the distribution end. They were on the uh, import-export end, oh, which nice. is where you really want to be, yeah. by right. the way, in, in the drug game if you're doing it. Get the big lump sums of money and push it on. Yeah, shipping and receiving. Mm-hmm. This is around the same time easterdo earned the nickname Apache because one time he got especially coked up and scalped a man before he killed him. Okay. So they started that's calling him Apache. That's what I was thinking.
3: I didn't know. I just didn't want to jump to it, but
1: makes. Thanks. <laughs> Well, usually it's something wh- like he watched a movie and quoted a lie. You know what I mean? It's something really lame. Like, no, he, it's, it's it's the grossest possible version of why he would, they would call him that.
3: Yeah, when I seen it, I was like, uh, so he's got those
2: people. But... Before I kill you, I'm going to cut your hair and your scalp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, the West End gang, they were powerful. They had a ton of money, but they also didn't have anything on the muscle line. So, they used... They used the North Chapter, but primarily just Apache Trudeau as their muscle for Frank Dunny Ryan, who him and East Trudeau became pretty close. On March 14th and October 27th in 1981, East Trudeau killed two different guys, Robert Morin and Hugh McCurran, blew them both up with car bombs. And then on May 9th, there was a guy named Donat Lemieux, who East Trudeau showed up at his house and killed him and his girlfriend. Did he knock on the door first? I think they were on the porch. Uh... So you can't even not open. You can't even not answer the door. So we established earlier. You can't open. You can't open the door. You can't drive your car. You can't drive your bike. You can't sit on your porch. Dude. As often as he's putting bodies on the table for the Hell's angels, he's he's doing it for the West End gang, too. So late 1981, there's two guys, Charlie Hanchez and Dennis Kennedy. They had got into Frank Dunny Ryan for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Now, I can guess what that money was for based on their plan. So their plan to come up with $150,000 is what they could kidnap his kids and then ransom his kids back to him for $150,000 and then use that money to pay it back his money that mm-hmm. he owed him. So clearly that money had to be from Coke. Right. <laughs> right. That's that's, <laughs> so that's a Coke plan a, yeah. if I ever heard yes. one.
2: 100%. I'll tell you what's, Im- what's impressive. You said we we're in 81, right? yes so if i'm not i'm not mistaken his first kill was 77
1: well his first one was 70 but then when he Seven, started okay. going hard was in the uh, late so, 70 okay. 77
2: out of everyone we've covered so far how has this guy been able to stay out of jail yeah usually everybody else gets caught after that first one and then they you know break out of jail or swindle some, something where they get back out and continue. go on the run
3: for a little bit but or... this
2: guy is like He's not hiding behind anything, you know. I doubt that he's just knocking on doors at two in the morning and people are answering and get blown away. How is this guy staying away from the yeah. cops and out of jail?
1: He's he's the opposite of hiding. He's riding around on a motorcycle exactly. with the name on the back of "This is us." And, and the what we patch. Do. Yeah.
2: The, the uh, what is it? The filthy. The filthy. Few. Few.
1: Right. In case you were wondering, yeah. yes, I have a patch right <laughs> yes. here that says "I will kill you." I think there's a combination of things. One, it was so new to Canada mm-hmm. that they were adjusting to being able to even prosecute that type of thing. Right. And I think with the escalated level of violence, it also became low priority when mm. he was killing other Gangsters. bikers. undesirables. <laughs> right. It was kind of a <laughs> low priority type of thing. Gotcha. We, I mean, look, we still see that in America, Canada to this day. If you're True. keeping your killing to a certain area with people that we don't mind you killing. They'll let that slide for quite a while. That's true. So Dunny ends up, he finds out who tried to kidnap his kids. And he finds out it's these two Hells Angels, Hanchez and Kennedy. Problem is, like, the Hells Angels are his muscle. So what he does is he goes to the Hells Angels and he says, Look, if you don't take care of these two guys, I'm going to cut off your Coke supply. Ah, Smart. Eve Stroud can't have that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no I, that's like once again that's like popeye like listen if you don't take care of this i'm not going to give you any more spinach like what the f- <laughs> he needs his coke supply each
1: called charlie hanchez to a meeting at the clubhouse and killed him when he showed up dennis kennedy and him were closer they had started they had been together since the original popeyes and dennis kennedy was another other filthy few patch member that was the closest he had as a friend So Yishiro took him out for a drink and then killed him in the parking lot?
2: That was probably his only emotional kill. All the rest of them he probably didn't even think about twice. He probably killed him and and shed a small tear and then shot him again.
1: (laughs) He did like the the one tear, like the Denzel Washington, the glory tear. But before it could drop, it just went back into his eyes. (laughs) So Yishiro becomes frank dunny's closest like that's his you know go-to trigger man but on november 13th 1984 a couple of guys they try to kidnap dunny ryan and it turns into a shootout and frank ryan gets killed now his buddy takes over the west end gang and that's a guy named alan the weasel ross (laughs) the weasel which I'm sketchy into going into a criminal business with anybody whose nickname is the weasel. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm good actually. You know what? I'm out. I'm, I'm going into a new line of work. I'm not, we talked about before, like we're going to do this business on a handshake. Mm-hmm. You going to trust a handshake deal
2: yeah. with the weasel? I trust the shark before I trust the weasel.
1: Yeah. So the weasel's first priority is he wants to take out these guys that killed his boy. And he brings in Eves Trudeau. On November 24th, 1984, Trudeau finds out where these guys were working their offices out of, and him and a partner disguised themselves as delivery men. They delivered a TV, a VCR, and a copy of the movie Hell's Angels Forever to an apartment where he knew they were operating. He'd had a remote explosive device in the TV. Now, we know he could put a lot of, enough to <laughs> blow up a bike, right? So you know how much he can put in a TV? Turns out... He can put in enough to blow a giant hole out of the side of this building. And now he killed the guys that he meant to. And then he killed two other men. Injured eight other in the explosion of people that just were in this building. That comes with working with explosives.
2: It's only a matter of time before one blows up a little bigger than it was supposed to. You probably figured in his mind, he said, okay, if the TV's here... They're gonna be so far away from the TV. I need to make sure everybody in this apartment dies. Somebody might be in the kitchen getting chips. I'm gonna add a little bit more. Oh, someone's in the bathroom. Add a little bit more. Before you know it, you blew up that apartment and all the ones around it.
1: <laughs> the whole side of the building. Right. So this is a bit much. So this start bringing this brings on a lot of heat. You know, he just, well, he blew up a, a giant mm-hmm. building. <laughs> even They can't <laughs> turn their head on like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> this also becomes a big issue because he goes back to get his money from the weasel. And it turns out all this time he had been doing his business with Ryan. They've been doing it directly. Well, the, the weasel, he paid his money to the Hells Angels oh. directly. So East Trudeau shows up for his money. He's like, oh, I gave it to your guys, So just go talk to the Hell's Angels. They'll pay you. Mm-hmm. So East Trudeau shows up to get his money. And what it turns out is all this time is he'd been giving them about a quarter of the payments that he was supposed to be paying them. And some of these chapters, by now there's four chapters. Mm-hmm. There's the Lavelle chapter, the Halifax, the Sherwood, and the Sorrell. A couple of them, like the the Halifax is a real small chapter. So when they find out, they're already struggling as it is. He's only getting a fraction of the money he's supposed to get. And now a couple of the people that were with North chapter are like, hey, these motherfuckers are out of control. They're just Mm -hmm. doing coke all the time. So the Halifax president is like, well, look, they're not paying us our money and they're blowing my money that Mm -hmm. I need on coke. We got to do something (laughs) about this North chapter. This is out of control. The Halifax chapter president is a guy named Zig Zag Lasard. So he comes up with a big plan and he arranges a meeting for his and all the three chapters at the main clubhouse. So when all the gangs show up on March 24th, 1985, he takes the top five enforcers and leaders of the North chapter, kills them, wraps their bodies up in sleeping bags, and throws them in the St. Lawrence River.
2: The other guys
1: were either removed from the club or distributed to other chapters.
2: Mm, So he's just going to get rid of that whole
1: chapter. They just scrapped the whole chapter. Mm. And anybody that's asked to leave the gang... You have to have all your tattoos removed, mm-hmm. either removed or blacked out. Like, it's not just as easy as, okay, we're good, just go home. I quit. Yes. Yeah. There's a line from The Sopranos where one of the guys says, uh, he says, I'm thinking about retiring. And Tony Soprano looks at him, he says, what are you, a hockey player?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not <laughs> what we do here.
1: It's kind of like that. <laughs> now, Yves Trudeau wasn't at the meeting because he had actually kind of caught word that people were unhappy. Mm -hmm. About his uh, addiction level and his wildness. So, two weeks before, he had checked himself into a rehab center. That event's now today called the Lennoxville Massacre. He survived that, but the main chapter they send a guy up to his detox facility to let him know that he's officially out of the gang, Mm -hmm. that he's got to remove his tattoos, and they've taken his bike and 45,000 cash.
2: I don't think this will go over well. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. (laughs) He gets out of the detox center. They say, look, we'll consider letting you back in. You take out these two guys for us. Take out a guy, we'll give you your bike back. Take out the other guy, we'll give you your money back, and you come back to the gang.
2: Now, how how does this work? Are these orders that's coming from back at the head, Los Angeles or wherever the uh, Hell's Angels originate? Or at this point in time, is there a head guy for Quebec that kind of runs all of Quebec that's calling these shots? Or how does that work?
1: Well, they have a national president. So okay. how this works, just like the military, pretty mm-hmm. broke down. So each chapter has, you know, uh, its own independent leadership. And then all of the chapters in Can- in Canada have a national leader, which eventually became Zig Zag Lassard. Got okay. it. They answer to at some point there's a president over the whole club that manages every different, you know, America, Canada, Iceland, whatever. Uh, but this was all happened. This is settled between Canada. So this ain't going past the, the national level. Got it. He's able to kill one of the two guys. He gets his bike back, but he wasn't able to find a second guy. And they told him that not only is he out, that they put a hit out on him. Well, they didn't tell him, but he finds Mm -hmm. out there's a hit out on him, $50,000. He decides that he wants to go to the government and turn state's witness. Oh, no, not
2: not this guy. Damn it. Um, (laughs) He turned
1: 6'9 on us. That's disappointing. And it's funny because most of the people that snitch... Get arrested and then decide to snitch. He just <laughs> he just showed up like, hey, uh, it's me, Apache.
2: I'm here to turn myself in and snitch. Hey, uh, I got some info. Anybody got a tape recorder, video cam, or I, I got info for you.
1: Arrest me, <laughs> please. He works out a deal with the government, and in 1985, he pleads guilty to 43 counts of manslaughter. <laughs> wow.
2: Four- Only manslaughter, though? Like, 43 counts?
1: Well, what happened was he confessed to 43 murders, and the plea deal was instead of charging him with 43 counts of first-degree murder, they give him 43 counts of manslaughter. So even though those years add up, you can still get factored in parole. Yeah, because it's manslaughter. Of the 43 murders he confessed to, 35 were rival bike members. He killed 29 by firearm, 10 from bombs. He beat three to death and strangled one. Jeez. He gives them information on 40 other murders and 15 attempted murders. Now, there's a senator named Pierre Hughes venue, who really hated this deal. And he's like, well, look, why are we going to give this guy – he's confessing to more murders than he's giving us. Mm-hmm. You know what right, I mean? Right. He can... He's saying he did 43, but he's going to give us information on 40. But what it turned out is they weren't as concerned with how many murders, how many crimes versus how many people. Mm. Okay. So even though he was one person with the forty murders and attempted murders, it was this
2: whole upper echelon. So in other words, we're trading in one killer for a possible ten. Even though the ten may have done less kills, we still have ten murderers that we can move right. off. Right, of we're streets. taking all these off the mm-hmm. leaders
1: versus off the right, all these guys off instead mm-hmm. of just one. But the senator is probably right because it turned out, in addition to the counts of manslaughter the government agreed to pay him $40,000 distributed over the next 4 years and $35 a week for cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was eligible
2: for parole in 7 years. 7 years? Are you serious? Yeah. I would have thought that he gotten like 20 years with parole cuz that's still that's still like very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he didn't get out in 7
1: years though, but he got out in 9. So in 1994, Eves Trudeau was paroled from prison and he was given the identity of Dennis
2: Cote and he got a job working in a nursing home. People that came after him, we have Patrick Cote and then we have Justin Trudeau. I'm I'm taking notes here. I understand we're, we're what's putting, going on. We're putting this putting organization together. together.
1: Yeah. He did fine and he stayed out of trouble until the year 2000. When he got laid off and he started having to collect unemployment and welfare, everything kind of spiraled and he fell back into his coke addiction. Mm. He ended up on March 17th, 2004. He was rearrested and charged with sexually assaulting a 13 year old boy.
2: What the? This this story is going in so many directions I would never expect. A a hard turn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was sentenced to four years
1: in prison. Upon going back to prison, he was immediately diagnosed with bone marrow cancer. And in 2008, July 2008, he died in prison of cancer.
2: Still got off easy. What was that, four years? So he would have been
1: just about to get out yeah. if he hadn't died
2: yeah, from cancer. He, yeah, so he, he still got off easy. Nine years plus the four, yeah, he got off easy. For sure. Yeah. I and
1: mean, for confessing the 43
2: murders? A little and, fact. A, and a what? sexual assault against a little boy. Yes. Which you
1: notice through that whole story you typically hear like some kind of uh a wife a, a wife or, yeah. or a girl. There was never that in the story. That's right. True. He was probably always a creep. That's true. Makes sense. I didn't
2: think about it, but yes. I right. think
3: it was crazy like once he got out and they gave him like his identity, he got a job at a nursing home. That's like the last place I think.
2: He
1: strangled a grandma. Yeah. So like... one day when you're about to put your parents in a nursing home, <laughs> just remember <laughs> that Eve's Trudeau <laughs> did nine years for murdering 43 people, one of which was a grandma and uh, got a job at a nursing home.
2: So. I mean, I think it shows he was a sociopath because obviously when he had a chance or the terms were set for him to enroll as a regular person within society, he was able to do it for quite a while until he got laid off. And then he was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not a regular person. I'm crazy. Right. And then that, that <laughs> Let me just do crazy person stuff. do crazy. Yeah. Person, Well, that's the story of Eves Trudeau.
0: So say goodnight to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you.
1: So if we were going to cover someone else from the story of Eves Trudeau, which actually, at some point, we're going to be digging into the Montreal crime family. But if we were going to cover someone else from the story of Eves Trudeau, who would you
2: pick? That's a good question. I would love to hear about... um... DuBois brothers. Dang. Bois brothers.
3: That's I was going to pick that because it wasn't really a person. It was kind of like a group. Yeah. I was going to take that. But um, other than that, I, I don't know. Well, I
2: think... Uh, Zig Ziglar. Okay, think, <laughs> That's uh, not his name. Yeah, uh, yeah. Zig Zag Lassard. Yeah, Zig
1: zag Lassard. <laughs> well, now uh, Zig Zig Lassard is someone that could possibly be covered again someday. Because like how I mentioned... So this war where 23 people were killed against the outlaws in the 70s and 80s, isn't even the biggest war that Quebec's mm. had. So there's these wars that went from the late 90s to, like, 2004 or something mm. that were called the the Red Zone Wars. Mm-hmm. And it was the Hells Angels versus a gang called Rock Machine. Never heard and there was, like, hundreds of deaths in that mm. one. So and I think the Dubois brothers, they kind of fall into the Montreal Mafia. Mm-hmm. And I actually have, you know, not quite planned out yet, but at some point, with it being the Sixth Family, we will dip into probably the Montreal family, which... Every time you cover one person, it's just opening a new can of worms of these criminals that are in there.
2: That's right. That's why the listeners have to listen to every episode. <laughs> every Because one. if you don't, you never know how we reference back to a previous episode. And then you're like, oh, wait, let me find that episode. Just listen to every one and you'll be right there with us.
1: Yep. If this is your first one, quick, go back <laughs> You listen to every single one real Start quick. Start at number one. So now we're going to cast this. So before I show you these pictures, if we were going to make a movie about the lives of Eves Trudeau, you guys haven't seen a picture. Who would you cast to play him?
2: Jen's Pulver.
1: Little (laughs) Evil.
2: And this is the reason why. The name Little Evil, he's a little guy. He has two different color eyes. He doesn't look scary, but at the same time, he's scary. I could see him being a serial killer in another lifetime.
1: Yeah. We do have the DC exception to where when he's on, <laughs> since he doesn't watch much TV or yes. movies, he is able to go ahead and just pick from athletes that he knows also. I mean, at one point, he picked Khabib to play Super Killer. That's so, right. So so it's wide open. <laughs> but Jens Pulver's definitely got that crazy look. Yes. A little guy. Yep. I can see that. Uh, Bugs, you got something? I was
3: going to go with Seth Green. Seth Green? This dude. Okay. I was going to take him. It's, I never mm-hmm. know... I know this is coming, and I know who I think.
1: I just never know their names, so I'm always doing some research before. I'd like to see Seth Green do it and play it as, like, a comedy. Like, he's just this uh, – yeah. he's not even really this badass killer. He's just this goofball stumbling around the underworld. Accidentally,
2: accidentally killing people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now he's the biggest hitman in the Hell's angels, and he doesn't know what's going on.
2: All the accidents come because he's coked up. <laughs> so here's a picture
1: of Eve Trudeau.
2: Ah, uh, he looks like... Who's the big serial killer? He looks like Ted Bundy. That's Ted what I was Bundy. thinking,
1: yeah. Yeah. Here's another picture. This is a picture of him and the entire, the Lavelle chapter when they first went to the North chapter. It's going to be bottom row, all the way to the right.
3: All the way to the right?
1: Well, second to the second, right. That's what okay, I was
2: thinking. Because
3: yeah. you remember, he's always like clean shaven and stuff.
2: Seeing this, you know who I can see? A young Nick Nolte. Yeah. Like, especially like his, his facial structure, nose, everything like that. Well, I and you see, see how...
1: See how he looks like a 50s greaser? Yeah. But this is in like the 60s or 70s, so he just was kind of clinging to that look for something. But you could definitely see when you look at this picture, these are all big dudes, and they all have big beards, and he's the only guy that looks completely... And most of them got
2: big bellies and nice man tits. I love it.
3: (laughs) Excuse me. But, yeah, I like if I were to look at this picture, I'd be like, all right, dude,
1: what are you doing here? Well, you don't belong. Now, the next picture to me... Because they keep saying that he's clean shaven and blah, blah blah, but this is a picture that shows he eventually kind of fit into the role a little bit more.
2: Yeah, he's still just so unassuming, though. I mean, it's not clean shaven, but it's not—it's like a sideburn. When you compare him to those other guys, they look like the—they're like Tank Abbott, and he's like Jens Pover. It's like yeah, it—it it, it almost doesn't fit. Like I said, they fit into more of what we were talking about earlier—that just the big burly hairy beer drinking big belly guy yeah and it's like this little guy that's like slim and you know just kind of with it and and for the most part he's neat even here even though he's not clean shade he's neat
3: yeah well like how you said like he's like a sociopath like the mm-hmm. american psycho like he's just like this is his path to do this and yeah. make it be justified well, I... like he'd It looks like he's wearing dress shoes in that picture. Like, he's not a biker.
1: Well, I think, like how you said American Psycho, I think that's a great comparison. Because to Mm -hmm. me, in this picture, he looks like a guy that's doing an impression of of the other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, that's not a big shaggy beard. That's him Mm -hmm. trying to grow a beard that he tames and organizes.
2: That's the guy when you see the motorcycle gang, you pick on him for being a poser, and then you don't realize he's the most dangerous one. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> so
1: I got one last picture of him And this is my uh, cocaine is a hell of a drug picture <laughs> Ooh.
2: Now he looks like uh, Charles Manson
1: yeah. yeah that's that's creepy You know you're already a small guy mm-hmm. And then you start piling in that coke And losing a ton of weight mm-hmm. You start to get uh, Start looking rough pretty quick Yeah. Well and who knows Wherever that is He might have already been Had some bone cancer That he didn't know about at that point Or something so now we got to do the DEFCON scale. Now, standard DEFCON scale is five to one. Five being the lowest, one being the highest. Now, the bad guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. So five is Lee Murray, who's a crack dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And one is your Purple Gang, who's got multiple massacres, multiple gang wars, and they're killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Yves Trudeau? You want to go
3: first?
2: I'll take it. All um, right. Let me say this beforehand. Uh, I heard there was a lot of questions as Locke mentioned where some of the people did not know who Lee Murray was. If you have not listened to the Lee Murray episode, which Bugs was on, by the way, great episode. Please go back immediately and listen to that one so you can understand the reference.
3: But crazy story. It's entertaining. It's get some I, clarification.
1: I think Lee Murray is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. I mean, a, and he's a great story.
2: Absolutely. With that said, this guy is off the charts. He does not have a scale. He's a negative five. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, especially when you factor in two things that make me say that. One, when he killed the first innocent guy that we know of, and instead of being any what remorseful or anything like that, he said, no, not only should you not pay me my money to the Hell's Angels, you should pay me to go out and kill every single body that looks like this guy, even if they're innocent, until we get him.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah,
2: And then you beat a grandmother to death. Yeah. So you're pretty much off the charts. But to stay within the realm of things, he, of course, gets a 1. But I would give him a negative 5.
3: This is the only one I really struggled with. Normally, I always have a preset number I know what I'm going with. I think I'm going with a 1, too. He's just such a bad dude. Everything he did, that's, that's crazy. Because he c- confessed to 40. But like you said, he wanted to kill everybody that looked like that dude. So he was down to, yeah. no, let me just... No, he
1: had long hair. Let me go kill him. Like, yeah, it's insane. It's a bad dude. When you hear this body count, right, yes. would you have ever guessed? So before we actually covered this guy, if I had told you we're going to cover a biker. I found the biker. So I looked up. I start doing research. Who's the baddest biker I can cover? I find a biker hitman that killed 43 people. How many guesses would it have took for you to land in Montreal?
2: Uh, I would have guessed 6 million times. Still wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have gotten there. But it's another one of those things just like him and May. We have a guy named GSP. Arguably, I don't put him as my number one, but I definitely got him in my top three. But arguably the number one greatest MMA guy of all time, a French-Canadian <laughs> that's one of the nicest guys you'll yeah. ever meet from every standards of anybody I heard. Who would think that he was this total badass?
3: Well, hey, he did pick garbage bare hand once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Flush the bombers. Get the subs in launch mode.
1: We are at DEFCON 1. All right. You guys got anything before we go?
2: Uh, no, just all the usuals. Uh, thanking everybody again. Sixfold Sueno for the music. Cancer. Cancer for the art. Love the art. Uh, by the way, I'm going to throw this out here to put a little bit of fire under lock. At some point in time soon, we're probably going to have some bad guy shirts for you all to go and purchase. So I'm lighting a little bit of a fire here. <laughs> So we can get that going, but uh, that art is going to be on the shirt, at least the, the shirts with the logo. We may have some other things. Thank Cancer for that and definitely go and check out his stuff.
1: Well, and we're looking at doing, even before we get to there, we're looking at doing a giveaway. Like we haven't figured out what the terms is, but something, you know, follow us on social media or shoot us an email or share with a friend, something. Well, uh, Tank is talking about working on something. He's got a bunch of extra time on his hand in quarantine, He's got, like, set up a woodworking station, so he's talking about making, like, wooden shot glasses and uh, oh. little mini, like, oak barrels, like, little whiskey barrels and shit like that. There's some hot stuff oh, in the works, man. that's
2: great. Yeah. Well, and,
1: and it all just comes from, he's got all this extra time on his hands. <laughs> you know, he got to get out of the house, get out into the garage. Like, I love that. Quarantine made a tank a woodworker. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is uh, Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening.
0: to be dad, spend my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera man. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jokes, a hundred scams. Aye, ay. so I So out of money a hundred hams out so of money, grabbed a bunch of <coughs> And bands. I ain't wanna fall Victim to that system or to miss the Fuck fuckin' judge with a grudge, I'm walking crud for my mental ay, And I still keep it on me. Running till your big homie First you meet your dead homie, ayy. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming last, last place. You smell that dope when I pass by oh. last, I like my money at a fast pass. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. In a fast lane, let my money at a fast pace Look like a drag race, country up in my ashtray I'm in my bag, yeah. good girl, bad face Slim no waist and her ass fake, yeah, she in love with the bad guy, Aye. But bad bitches never act right, Aye. She act up until that bag fly Did a turn around in one night, Aye. Say hello to the bad guy, Aye. Aye. Good guy, come at last place place, Smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Good guy, come at last place Smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace